This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And now, live from beautiful Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, you're watching My Fellow Americans with your host, Spike Cohen. Yes, oh, thank you. Oh, oh, thank you. Oh, gosh. Every, every week you do this, and it sounds almost exactly the same. Keep clapping. Clap for the Christmas miracle. How would we know that you wanted the Christmas miracle if you didn't keep clapping? Welcome to my fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen, and I'm remembering right now to put my phone on silent because that thing's going to go off in any second now. There we go. Welcome to my fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen, and this is a special, it's a, it's a Christmas episode because Christmas is almost coming, but it's not actually a Christmas episode because I don't have anything Christmas themed going on. But welcome to the show anyway. Uh, we have uh, a fantastic guest. Uh, uh, we're going to be talking about a very, very serious subject. We're going to have a lot, of, uh, uh, a lot of education and insight in doing so. This is a Muddy Waters Media production. Check us out everywhere on all social media platforms, on all podcasting platforms. Check us out quickly on YouTube before they delete us because of the Rudolph thing from last from yesterday. Uh, but be sure to tune, tune into us on everything. Whatever you are listening to us, or watching us on right now. If you are not already, follow us or like us or subscribe to us or whatever the thing is that you do on that thing to be able to stay tuned to everything that we do. And if you're doing it on YouTube, again, before they kick us off, don't just hit subscribe, hit the little bell next to it because I want your phone to literally explode with notifications every single time we do anything on Muddy Waters Media. And of course, be sure to share this right now if you're watching it live or even if you're not watching it live. Share it right now. The last thing that I want is for you and your closest loved ones to miss out on a libertarian podcast that's roughly an hour long on a Wednesday evening. Give the gift of Spike Cohen today. Kids love it. And of course, I keep forgetting this part. Also, be sure to become a subscriber to Muddy Waters Media. Become a member of the Muddied Mud Militia the mud people, man, we need to come up with a name for this. Become a subscriber to Muddy Waters Media. It gives you access to members-only content, to an ad-free experience on Spotify and Anchor, and a uh, every month we do the Muddied Zoom, where we all hang out on a Zoom call, and only you get to do that. Only you and the other subscribers, so be sure to do that. This episode, of course, is brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the second largest caucus in the Libertarian Party, and the fastest-growing caucus in the Libertarian Party. That is that is a true statement. Both of those are. If you'd like to become a part member of the fastest growing movement in the party, oddly enough, uh, go to the Facebook group Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus and become an official member today. And if you'd like to become an official voting member, which means absolutely nothing because we don't vote on it, we don't actually do anything. But if you'd like to have merchandise with this logo on it, go to the Muddy Waters Media Store. Go to muddywatersmedia.com. Press the store, and you can buy uh, Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus gear. The Gravy King. 
Joe Soloski. Joe Soloski is running for governor of Pennsylvania. Joe Soloski is, dare I say, the key to Pennsylvania's success. And it just so happens to say that on this graphic. If you'd like to help Joe become the first libertarian governor ever, then go to his website right now to see how you can help. J O E S O L O L. <laughs> JoeSoloski.com. J O E S O L O S K I.com. Mudwater, the most appropriately named sponsor of Muddy Waters Media. If you woke up today and said, My God, if I never have another cup of coffee again in my life, it'll be too soon. Well, folks, I have some fantastic news for you. We have this product that it's not coffee. It is decidedly not coffee. It is instead masala chai, cacao, mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and literally nothing else. And if you're thinking, Spike, those sound like an interesting ingredients to put together in something that I then drink. And you're right. You're going to want to get some honey or sugar or something to have with this. But it's very good for you. It is neuroprotective. It's neuroprotective, whatever that means. Uh, it also, it has one-seventh of the caffeine of coffee. And I actually use this every day. It gives you just enough caffeine to have you all pepped up like this, but not with so much caffeine that you end up crashing and later on having heart problems and certain types of cancers like this. So if you'd like to become, uh, if you'd like to join that uh, revolution of not drinking too much caffeine in the morning, uh, go to muddywatersmedia.com, or no, muddywatersoffreedom.com slash mud, i got to update this, and uh, get your uh, starter pack of mud water today. Jack Casey has written three books. What are they about? I don't know. And I'm never going to read these books. I never will read these books. But you should. The Royal Green, In Silver Throne, and Crowned by Gold. And silver throned, sorry, and crowned by gold. And I will never read these books because if these books are bad, then I'll feel bad for trying to get you to buy them. And if they're good, then I'll feel bad for making fun of them twice a week. But you can find out what these books are about. I'm sure they're great. Go to theroyalgreen.com and you can get one, two, or even all three of them today. Thomas Queter is running for state senate in the 52nd district of new york thomas queter says i run better than albany which he finds hilarious because he's crippled in a wheelchair and he pays me to say that on this and it's the most uncomfortable part of this show and i get it out of the way early because i don't like having to say it and he really likes it he tunes in just to watch me say it so if you'd like to help someone with that kind of sense of humor he's actually a great guy he's he's one of the best people i know and uh New York could do no better than to have someone like him in the state Senate. If you'd like to help him become the first libertarian state senator in New York, go to TomFor52.com. That's T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2.com. We're almost done, folks. Defy the power and stitches and glitches. The finest, best tumblers that have ever been made ever. And I say that objectively, not because they pay me to advertise. These are the best tumblers ever. And if you you buy some today, they have free customization. That's right, folks, you don't pay another penny for a customization, which is insane because that's usually where they get you. But they don't get you there. They get you by not doing that. Stitchesandglitches.com and defythepower.com. Folks, if you watch this and said, Spike, I cannot believe you just had that many sponsors at once. I'm going to sue you. Well, good luck, pal, if you're in Florida, because I'm going to sue you back with personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. That's right, folks. If you're being sued or if you want to sue someone else and you live in the great state of Florida, you can use Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, for all of your personal injury civil claims. Chris Reynolds will get you so much money that you'll be able to walk around with big, stupid stacks of money and pretend that you're on the phone when it's not. It's just money. 
You know that thing they do, like with the rappers? And they'll hold it and they'll be like, hey, oh, hey, mom, I love... Oh, this isn't my phone. This is a giant stack of $100 bills. That can be your life if you go to chrisreynoldslaw.com. The intro and outro music to this and every episode of, the, of uh, God, what is this show called? My Fellow Americans. I'm on too many shows. Uh, comes from the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Check him out on Facebook. Go to his SoundCloud. Go to his Bandcamp, joedavimusic.bandcamp.com. Tell them about that one time at Bandcamp that you bought all of Joe Davi's discography for less than $25. Go there today, joedavimusic.bandcamp.com. Thank you so much, Joe Davi. I'd like to thank Le Bleu for this water that I drink on this on most episodes. They're not even a sponsor. I just like the water that much. Full of Vinaka. Shout out to Tehran Turks' mom and as always. Folks, my guest tonight is a survivor advocate for those that are affected by human trafficking. Uh, she is also a survivor of human trafficking herself, and she goes around the country to educate folks, including policymakers, on how to best identify and end trafficking in our time. She's here to talk about this growing pro problem and what we can do to stop it as often as possible. Ladies and gentlemen, my fellow Americans, please welcome to the show, Ms. Eliza Blue. Eliza, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi, Spike. Thank you so much for having me. So... When I well, you're welcome, and thank that you. That intro for was on. hilarious. You well, thank you. Was, thank could you. you hear me laughing it, in the background? I was just dying. <laughs> well, and and then you have to seamlessly go from that to and speaking of trafficking, and so we, you know, right. we're, now we so that, we're serious. bringing it down. We're taking it down to another level now. So um, we first met in person at Freedom Fest in July, at which Correct. time I said, "Hey, I'd like to have you on the show," and you said, "Hey, that sounds great." And so for the last five months, we, <laughs> we it's been like the biggest, the greatest straw. I think I, this might break the record. I've had a couple guests that have taken, you know, two, three months to get on. I think five months is the, you might be the reigning champion for the hardest guest to actually and I booked you three times, actually, but I kept having problems. You, I wasn't the problem. I no, wasn't, wasn't the problem. <laughs> Let's throw that down. I want people to think that I'm a difficult person to uh, book. But no, no I no, wasn't no. the problem. No offense, Spike. It's the truth. None taken. I was 100% the problem. So actually, I get the record for most difficult host and booker. Um, but seriously, thank you so much for your patience and for coming on. And folks... Be sure to ask uh, me and Eliza your questions, and we will tell you if you are right or wrong. Now, Eliza, this is your first time on the show. Whenever I have someone on the show for the first time, I ask them to kind of give their, their genesis story of what got them here doing what they're doing right now. Um, and uh, so, you know, tell us a little bit about what got you into becoming a uh, advocate for the survivors of human trafficking. Tell us the, the Eliza Blue story. Sure. I'll give the abridged version. Um, I went to a concert when I was 15 years old. I met a photographer there. I was thinking about it in preparation for this interview today, whether or not his actual profession was being a photographer. Uh, that's that question I'll probably never have answered. Uh, I know that he took pictures, but I'm not sure if he was a legitimate photographer now in retrospect. Um, but I met a gentleman that said that, uh, you know, he wanted to make me a star, take pictures of me. Uh, this individual spent two years grooming me. Uh, I like to be very clear when I'm telling portions of my story that 
I'm 40 years old now. So the internet and, um, you know, even cell phones weren't as readily available and I did not really have access to them in the same way that we do now. So uh, now, nowadays with social media, things work much quick, much more quickly. But um, this individual spent time, groomed me for two years by landline phone calls and uh, handwritten letters. And I was homeschooled. Uh, so I had the ability to graduate early. Um, even though I don't look at homeschool as a bad thing. In fact, I highly encourage it. And I'm very grateful that I was homeschooled. Um, I do think that it worked against me in this particular case because that was my vulnerability. I had only really been exposed to really good people. So uh, my family didn't really tell me how evil the world really could be or how evil mm -hmm. people could be. Um, yeah. I was very trusting. I still am. And, uh, and so I believe this individual and he sold me the dream. Um, he groomed me, sold me the dream and told me he was going to make me a star if I moved out to Hollywood into Los Angeles. And I told my parents, I said, you're going to uh, let me go. I'm going to go with or without your permission. So it's better if we stay in contact. Um, I was pretty wild back then, pretty punk rock. I still kind of am. And, uh, and I went out there and uh, literally the first day, um, the, a beer was introduced. Um, and I, by the way, I, prior to this, I was not a promiscuous teenager or really um, active. Okay. You know, a beer was introduced. Alcohol was also not a part of my story. And I also don't come from an abusive family. Um, my family structure is really amazing. Parents are still together. They're awesome, incredible people. They're very much in love. And I'm very grateful for that. But, you know, so I, I wasn't used to alcohol. Um, after I'd had, a, you know, the beer, then the drugs were introduced. And then after the drugs were introduced, um, it became clear what was going on. Um, at the time, uh, that was actually around the time that the first law in the United States was being written about human trafficking. So we didn't have the language to put to it that we do now. Um, and so I wasn't able to identify that I was being trafficked. <laughs> it wasn't, that wasn't something that went through my head. Um, I was just scared. I was whacked out of my mind. Um, and I was sold, uh, right away to an individual in Hollywood, uh, a different individual in Hollywood, um, for $500. And, uh, that was the first time it happened. Um, fortunately that time I was able to get away because I had an overdose. Um, I was so difficult to deal with that. Uh, keep in mind also too, I just like to say I was a minor at the time because I graduated yeah. early. I moved out there right before I turned 18. So, uh, so I did have an overdose. I ended up in Cedar sinai Hospital. Um, and afterwards, you know, people ask sometimes why I didn't ask the medical professionals for help. I, I didn't have the language to put to it. We Now we talk about it a lot more openly. That is one thing I'm very grateful for about the Epstein case is that I feel like it finally, we finally can have these conversations and they can be, um, I just feel like we're finally starting to get some of the language. I mean, even the fact that I'm on your show, the fact that people engage with my Twitter, these are not things that would have been possible back in that time period. Right. Um, so I'm grateful for that. We made a lot of progress. Um, but I, you know, unfortunately, because that initial trauma was there, I never, and because I never was transparent about what happened, um, I with anyone that was older than me or that maybe could help me. I was really embarrassed. I thought it was my fault. Um, because I was never fully transparent, I never received the healing that I had deserved. 
Um, and I did get some help, but it wasn't because I wasn't being honest about what had happened. Um, I was just scared. I was scared I'd go to jail. Like, you know what I mean? I just saw all these right, things would happen. Right. And I was naive. I was from a farm, like, you know, homeschool girl from the farm, just trying to be cool, fit in, you know, do a thing. And it just blew up in my face. Um, but unfortunately, because that initial trauma was there, this was a pattern that kept kind of popping up in my life. I had after that, I had ended up in an abusive uh, marriage, um, not a human trafficking marriage. I'd like to be very specific, a domestic violence marriage um, for a right. short period of time. Um, multiple sexual assaults because of different issues. But then unfortunately, um, I chose to go back to um, the lifestyle later on in life. Um, I went to go be, well, I went to be a cocktail server at um, a gentleman's club. They told me they they wouldn't hire me unless I auditioned to dance. Never thought I'd be beautiful enough to do that because I always had this vision of everybody being so gorgeous, but I auditioned to dance. I made a ton of money that day. And so I willingly chose to be an adult entertainer. But unfortunately, what happened uh, was what in that environment was that I met my other trafficker and I was trafficked again, um, sex trafficked again through coercion. So uh, it's two different stories. Um, I like to be really honest about that. Another big part of my story is um, that I did leave um, this abuser, the one when, when I was an adult, um, I did leave. Uh, I went to a safe house for three months. It was a two-year program. And my trauma bond and Stockholm syndrome, a lot of folks call it a trauma bond, um, with him was so strong that I left that safe house and went back. Um, And that was a repeated pattern for a very long time. So um, I do like to be very clear when I'm talking about human trafficking. It's forced fraud or coercion for the sale of labor or sex. I noticed in your Twitter post, I wasn't going to correct you earlier, but I like to talk about all types of human trafficking all types of human trafficking. I realized that after I put it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. I I was like an honest mistake and I wasn't bummed about it, but um, you know, there's an entire picture there. And I think, um, you know, obviously I probably talk about sex trafficking most, but I do also try to include labor trafficking um, as well um, because they can easily, they easily go together. They're two crimes that really fit well together. So where you find one, you often find the other. And I think that's, really important. Um, and also labor traffic, labor trafficking victims deserve support as well. Right. So, um, so, but it's a broad term. So, um, but yeah, I talk about forced fraud or coercion for the sale of labor or sex. Um, and then there are other um, things that fall under that umbrella as well. But, um, but yeah, I kept returning to my former abuser. Um, and then, you know, a series of events happened and the consequences on my life. I, I knew I was going to die that way. I don't know. I don't really know what it was. It was something inside of me. You know, I'm grateful because I always have had fight a lot of fight. A lot of libertarians have fight. I notice, but <laughs> maybe not harnessed in the right direction, but that's for whole other discussion. But uh, not you, Spike. Sorry, that wasn't a dig at you. Not me. But, uh, the the not other libertarian. Yeah, not me. <laughs> but, um, you know, there was something in me always that just told me, fight, fight, fight. You know, and I had tried so many times, so many different things to have a better life, to do something different, to... Well, the other thing, too, is my self-esteem was very low, Um, and I thought that was all I was worth. 
but one thing that's important was even though when I went to the safe house, I didn't stay. What happened there at that safe house was that they started to plant those seeds of hope and that I was worth a little bit more. So even though it didn't like work, I guess, uh, you know, it didn't work, but it did start to work because once you have the truth in your head and once you hear a different story and once you hear hope and maybe that there's a different life out there for you, even when you return to your former abuser, or I should just speak for myself, even when I returned to my former abuser, he didn't have those same ties on me and the... um that trauma bond was not as strong and I could kind of see through the BS. So I started to think maybe, I, maybe there was a chance, maybe I could do something. I just didn't want to die that way. You know, that was always my biggest fear. I had been arrested multiple times, had a lot of consequences on my life, you know, permanent scars on my face and, you know, my life was in the gutter, you know, but I just felt like there was, maybe there was a chance and uh, so I left and I haven't been back since, which is really good. Um, but I think I'm grateful now because given the current state of the world, um, it gives me a perspective on freedom and liberty because when you lose it, once you finally get it back, you don't ever want to lose it again. Right. So for that, I am very grateful because given the current state of the world, I think I'm willing to put more fight behind it just because I haven't always had it. Right. And not only that, but you're also fighting for others to be able to experience that freedom as well. Something that I, that I, I noted find um, that surprised me in your story and I first heard this one when you talked about it at Freedom Fest. Um, we have so many stereotypes about trafficking. First of all, there's the, you know, like the movie Taken, you know, the trafficking where they come and break down your door and, you know, kidnap you and, you know, blindfold you and, and, and you know, do that sure. thing. And I'm sure that that is a real thing that happens as well. But so much of the trafficking looks so much more like what what you went through, but also the stereotype of even who is trafficked, even in your type of situation. You assume that the person has been abused so that that's already been normalized for them or that they have drug issues or that their family has had drug issues or abuse issues. You know, you assume that they're, you know, already potentially, you know, very sexually active. And so this just seems normal. You were the opposite of all those things, which in a way gave you made you. In, in one way made you more vulnerable to it because you had such a great social support network and family. You didn't really know what an abuser would look like. You didn't, you couldn't see those things because you didn't have any kind of perspective on those things. You didn't really know what it looked like. And then once you got kind of thrust into it, you now had the shame, the guilt and the shame of it that kind of made you think, well, I guess this is what I deserve. Is that like the most, I know there's probably not hard stats on this, but is that the common, is this the, is this a, a, or one of the most common versions of trafficking where someone gets into it and maybe doesn't even realize that, that they're actually being a, a also, and, and as a side note here, I hear terms victim and survivor 
Is there a difference wherein like a victim is someone that's still actively going through it and a survivor, someone who isn't, or do you just use the term survivor across the board? I just want to make sure I'm, I'm using terminology correctly. Yeah. So victim would be a legal term, what you'd be called okay. legally. Uh, and then also too, if you're actively being abused, you would be okay. considered a victim. Um, but I, we like survivor because it's empowering. Um, but it's be mainly because it's empowering. Um, using survivor, but I oftentimes interchange, like I'll flip back between both, or sometimes I'll be writing a tweet and I'll be talking about both those who are currently being abused and have also survived. So I'll have okay. to differentiate it's, mm -hmm. but victim would be the legal term. So, okay. So for difference. someone who's actively, then I'll just say someone who's, you know, actively being trapped, is this a common, is your story one of the more common stories of how someone ends up being trafficked that they really didn't see it coming and for quite some time maybe even thought that this was something that they were choosing to do is that is that what the face of trafficking often is so we do have all the data and statistics on this we've been oh, collecting okay. predominantly like in the united states you check like the polaris project web website they've been running the human traffic outline they've been collecting data and statistics in the united states alone for over 10 years um, but, you know, globally, we have a lot of data and statistics. Um, the UN, of course, puts out quite a bit of information. Um, but so I never like to say normal because every survivor's story is different. It, it's, it's very probable that you will know your abuser in advance. This is very probable. Um, I, I wish I knew the actual statistic. I believe it's in the 90s. 90th percentile somebody oh, can wow. in the chat can throw in the actual stat um but a lot of times it's familial um but uh, almost oftentimes you know your abuser ahead of time a caregiver a boyfriend um a significant other um a parent this is very common but human trafficking is force fraud or coercion so we are talking about the coercive aspect where you are coerced into being trafficked um, right. It's very confusing and difficult for folks to understand. I think a lot of times people can identify more with a domestic violence relationship. I think when folks, but I think gratefully we're at a, at a point in, in culture and society where we understand kind of domestic violence and what that's like. Um, right. Think about in those terms when you're thinking about trafficking. When you look at the movie Taken, for instance, which I actually think is probably been our biggest setback as the anti-human trafficking movement was that movie taken. Yeah, it's very entertaining, but that's not like data and statistics just don't speak to that whatsoever, right. but it can happen. So that yeah. would be your force. Um, that would be your force, but it, it isn't in a trafficker's best interest to, um, to force you. It would be in their best interest and fi most financially beneficial for them to love you, for them to feel like they owe you something. Um, their goal is to get as much money out of you as humanly possible. You are seen as a product. Right. So um, if you're non-compliant uh, and if you're difficult, if you're difficult and if you become a liability, um, they won't make as much money as possible. It's best that you're compliant. So that's how a trafficker will treat it. Like it's a business transaction.
Well, and that would make sense, right? Like someone who's either not compliant or just complying so that they can stay alive isn't exactly what, you know, isn't exactly the, the hot thing on the on the sex trafficking market or the labor trafficking market for that matter. You know, that someone who's doing the bare minimum to, to, to not, you know, be punished for it as opposed to someone who thinks this is good that I'm doing this. You know, I, this is I'm, I'm actively choosing this. Um, you routinely uh, share uh, a lot of different articles uh, that talk about um, uh, investigations into stories. <laughs> What's that? All day. Uh, but yeah, all literally all day. I thought literally I all day of... to the point where it's depressing. Well, and that, so that was actually what I was going to part of what I was going to ask you. You are routinely posting articles and not just of like because you'll share like, you know, five schmucks got caught uh, uh, trafficking uh, some some women or, or trafficking some kids or something, you know, just like idiots that get caught victimizing people. But then you'll also routinely share, you know, police officers being involved in human trafficking rings politicians being involved in human trafficking right the people who think that who are shocked by you know jeffrey epstein jelaine maxwell prince andrew that's the tip of the iceberg when you're sharing this stuff you know i, I don't i don't have this this perspective of, of having been through trafficking or, or anything like that is that a fight that you have to make sure that you are you know, protecting yourself. But I, honestly, like when we were booking this, I ca- kept asking you questions to make sure that I was protecting <laughs> your well-being and, and so forth. Is that a is that a, a battle that you still have, or are you at a point now where you've been doing it so long that you're able to to kind of separate those things? You know, is tell us about that. Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, You know, I stepped forward to be a public survivor leader in April 2020 because of the global pandemic and because of the first lockdown. Um, And when I did it, I didn't necessarily have a game plan. But as we moved ahead, um, I've been able to figure out a little bit better my flow, what works best for advocacy. But a large thing that I wanted to do, well, I had a couple visions. First, I wanted to show that survivors are awesome um, and that we're not depressed. Well, it's funny because I did cry on this podcast already, but generally speaking, my general vibe, talking about my story, talking about my story is like the worst part of my life, period. I simply hate it. I don't like to revisit it. Um, I simply hate it, especially in public. It's it's still embarrassing, but whatever. I can get past it. But everything else, I'm like really happy person and like hype and excited. So we start with that. So we made sure to start with that. I, you know, I told you ahead of time, I was like, you know, we have to touch on it just so people know your perspective, but let's move on with it. But I figured let's get the sad part out of the way and then we can move on from there. Yeah. How good. Um, You know, and I also too feel like I have a good relationship with everyone that I've done interviews with where if I really was up to it that day, I could probably just say, Hey, we're not going to do that. Like I did Zuby music's podcast. We didn't talk about my story at all. Not because I asked that he just asked other questions. We didn't talk about it at all. Um, in fact, I talk about my story so little that people have to ask for it because it's hard to find, um, the full in its entirety. Um, that's intentional. I always wanted my public survivor advocacy to be more about advocacy, less about me and my story. Um, I feel like when I tell my story, it is one story and it's very cherry picked. I like to talk about the crime as a whole, but that's just my personal perspective. But when I started, um, tweeting about human trafficking, I never expected that well, I never expected I would be, <laughs> I just never expected anything. I never expected I'd be speaking at Freedom Fest, talking to a vice president candidate, like all these things I never saw coming. Like 
I just did not see it coming. So I rode the wave. But one thing that I wanted to do was show how awesome survivors are, not just me, other survivors, that we have a sense of humor. We have a cool life. We are awesome. And we are capable of doing really incredible things. Because the truth is, I meet some really amazing survivors. And um, I, I firmly believe that if you could show the world how awesome survivors are once they get once they're given the opportunity to be free that it will um it will ignite a fire where more people want to help more individuals be free because the truth is survivors have such an awesome perspective i want them to be free so that they can go on to change the world but the other thing i wanted to do is also show that this is a very real and serious crime and it's actually happening um even though i hate the corporate press um, I decided to, instead of going like, um, I hate the word conspiracy theory because I have conspiracy theories about how it started. But anyway, <laughs> I, have a, I think that might be a CIA thing, but I wanted to steer away from more of a conspiracy theory mind frame or more of a misinformation mind frame about human trafficking and stick to more corporate press um, and other issues. Um, sorry about that noise. Um, but I, you know, I just wanted to keep it very fact-based. The other thing I've tried to do really hard, Spike, is take my own personal political um, bias out. Even though yeah. I hate the corporate press and even though I hate um, the United States government and then being involved in anything to do with trafficking, um, I try to meet people where they're at and I realize not everybody's there. Yep. So I have made it a mission to show people like, look, this is just what's in the corporate press every day. Yep. There are so yep. many articles I have to choose. I've only posted about one third of them. And this is like regular main corporate press every day. It's all day, every day. I And so it is difficult for me. But when I look at the stories now, because I'm an advocate, I try to look, I look at them more like a puzzle piece. It's not more like a puzzle. Um, I'm thinking about what maybe could have prevented the crime, how this happened. I'm thinking about it totally differently. Other people look at it and they're in horror. And they're like, and the, my only fear of Spike actually is not for me, is more that I'm traumatizing other survivors who follow me. But I also mm. feel like it, like it needs to be exposed. People need to be talking about this. And the more I talk about it, the more it's normalized. Yep. Does that have no, any logic I, to it? <laughs> no, it does. It does. Because what you're doing, you're normalizing the survivors. And not just in that, you know, we're people who deserve uh, respect and, you know, we need people to help us fight this. But also, like, you know, you keep mentioning we're awesome. We have we live good lives. Like, survivors aren't just these broken people who had this terrible experience of what a terrible thing, and we should all feel sorry for them. It's this bad thing happened. We want to do the best that we can to rectify what happened and make sure that it's happening to as few, as close to zero people as, as we possibly can uh, moving forward. But you're not a broken person, and you're going to still live a great life. And these other folks that have gone through this and are going through this can also live great lives. And, you know, exposing that this is happening and then also showing the people. I, I, I do a similar thing 
where I don't want to just constantly be complaining about the government. And so I mix complaining about the government with showing times where reforming or, or, or repealing of things that bad things government did led to good outcomes. I also point a lot at people that are doing good work, people like you, people, uh, you know, homeless advocates, people that are out helping those in need, uh, people that are helping during disasters. I, I want to show. And by the show... way, sorry to interrupt you, sure, but sure. folks that are serving homeless populations and folks that are serving during disasters are inadvertently serving uh, human trafficking survivors as well, because those that are at a higher risk that are experiencing homelessness, that are experiencing disaster, that have lost everything that are. So you are if you are serving homeless populations, you are or um, those that are struggling with addiction, you are um, serving folks that are a very high risk and maybe stopping trafficking before it starts. Sorry. No, that's incredible. That's good to know. And and I, I'm trying to present a holistic picture at it that, yes, this is a problem. We're identifying it and here's what we can do about it. But in the meantime, life is not all misery and doom and gloom. There's a much better picture. And, and here's how we can maximize the good and, and minimize the bad. And it, and it seems like that's what you're doing. Now, I, I looked it up right before we, we went live. Uh, the, as of the last count, human trafficking worldwide is estimated to be around a $150 billion a year global industry. Um, and they and they even admitted that they really don't know how much higher than that it could be because it's in the shadows and they don't have a good a good picture of it. Um, and uh, which puzzles me that there seemed to have been and this is, you know, you were talking conspiracy theory. In the midst of us hearing that human trafficking is at an all-time high around the globe, in the midst of stories about uh, Jelaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein and Prince Andrew and, uh, you know, the, the fact that, you know, uh, almost every major uh, political figure is, is tied in some way to some either Harvey Weinstein or, or Jeffrey Epstein or, or some other trafficker, um, it's puzzling that then it seems like I'm seeing more and more in the press about how this is kind of an overblown thing and maybe we're talking about it too much and does that feels very tinfoil hat but yet i keep seeing it am i the only one are, are you seeing this as well of course uh you know i was i was on a flight on my way to a wedding and i think i might have been the i don't want to claim some like valor that's not mine but i believe i was probably the right. first one to see that atlantic article that probably doesn't work for them just so happened i just saw i I have my ways of getting information and, uh, you know, the Atlantic article, gosh, what was it called? The great fake. Um, I don't want to actually say what the article was called cause we're on YouTube and I don't know. I just, um, yeah, yeah there no, are many got, articles. Uh, yeah. I just, I there just, many, uh, it's go, go ahead. Sorry. I just pulled there it are up. Many articles. Um, even some politicians and other individuals that, had a vet, that have a vested interest in making this seem like it's not a big deal. Anyone can follow my Twitter feed for a day and realize that we are in a really big deal in the United States. I mean, we could talk about around the globe, but let's, if we're sticking just to the United States, I mean, we are at a, um, I think after the pandemic, I, you know, it's, it's hard not to get blackpilled. I'm not blackpilled. I'm pretty white-pilled. I see some lights at the end of the tunnel, but uh it's really bad i mean so there are so there's some validity to some things that folks say um there is uh so there's some validity to some things that folks say yes a lot of missing children are found so that's the good news right a lot of missing children are found so when you look yes. at that huge number 
of uh, of children that go missing every year. That's not, yes, they go missing, but you have to think that's runaways. That's folks being taken by non-custodial, those children being taken by non-custodial parents. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like that. Like you think that many children are just disappearing off the face of the earth. That's not what it is. Um, right. It would be yes. awesome if we changed that language because it's just not factual. Um, and I'm totally down with that if they want to keep it to that. But the other issue... So something that is important, though, is the same. So the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children collects a, a lot of our data and st- statistics just about children, um, child sexual abuse material, um, runaways, trafficking, things of that nature, specifically for children. Um, so they are the ones that would collect that number, that big number that folks see, but also they're the ones that collected the number that one in six of those runaway children are trafficked for sex. So that's one of the reasons why I push out all the missing children. Um, I now I just post any missing person. It's it's wild how many individuals uh, go missing in the United States, especially children, um, indigenous women. It's just it's black and brown folks. It's real, really hard to keep up with it. I try to post as many as I see, even elderly folks at this point, because I'm like, oh, whatever. I'm just posting missing people. So I, you know, at this point, I want, you know, I, why, why should I discriminate if someone's elderly and in danger? I might as well post. But, um, but just to think about that number one in six of runaways. Um, and that's on there. That's on the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's website for 2020. I'm sure for 2021, it might change. But because uh, the data is, you know, it always changes. But um, so it is really important uh, that we stick to the facts. And the corporate press sometimes doesn't want to stick to the facts. Um, they're almost more conspiratorial than this conspiracy theorist, to be honest. Um, but one thing that really did throw a wrench in our spokes was uh, I'm trying to think if we were going to go pool- pooling, if we were going to play pool, what would you, uh, what would, I might as well just say it. I always try to like it, uh, QAnon because I was trying not to say it on your channel. <laughs> but Dude, QAnon. Don't, no, go ahead. No, we we fight we fight YouTube constantly, so don't worry about it. We talk okay. About I just I don't ever want to get no, somebody we talk banned. About QAnon was a big wrench in our spokes because it just didn't work. It was it had the opposite effect, and it's a good target for the um, for the corporate press. Yep. Uh, pick on. So um, you know, I highly encourage. I'm not going to say all of it wasn't factual, but it just, what a hot mess. So yeah, they like to pick they on t- that and they also closely associate with that with Trump and all that. You know what I mean? It's like a whole yeah. mess. Well, that, that was what I noticed in that article, uh, in the, the, the great, uh, the great fake, uh, child sex trafficking, uh, academic, uh, they, it, it seemed immediately they tried tying anyone who, who was fighting against sex trafficking with QAnon and the Trump campaign and the, you know, intellectual dark web and, you know, the the far right. And certainly there are people that are in those camps that are uh, that are doing this stuff. And like you said, some of them are going, you know, you're trying to talk about real instances of trafficking and they're talking about Martians taking you know, lizards taking children to Mars and stuff and like that. And by the that. way, I love talking about crazy stuff too. Like, I love it. Anybody that really knows me and follows me closely, I'm like super down to talk about whatever. I like, I'll go there. I love it. I love it. I love talking about it. I love talking about all this stuff. I, yes, you know, yeah. but at the end of the day, this is a very real and serious crime. And right. if you can't win over, I don't know. 
I just have my own method and I think it works pretty well. Um, meet people where they're at, give them facts, um, give them actual stories to read about how these individuals were exploited. Um, show them what the government's doing, show them what the government's not doing, um, show them all facets of it, show them the entire picture and let the person decide, let people decide. But I think to right. hyper-focus on the global elites, which we can do literally literal to nothing about, um, was never something that was appealing to me. I think what is much more beneficial is working on a local level, serving survivors, getting involved in your community by offering education, um, awareness, and prevention so that the crime doesn't happen in the first place. That's something right. you can do to stop human trafficking because I guarantee you it is happening. I always, sometimes I tell folks like, go ahead and Google like your town or the closest city and see how many trafficking articles pop up. Like it blow, it will blow your mind or, or just, you know, child sexual abuse, child sexual abuse material, um, you know, labor trafficking, even sometimes it, if folks look around that it is there and you can be much more helpful instead of spending all day online trying to figure out some puzzle that the feds cooked up or who knows what CIA, I don't even know what, it, who knows what that weird psyop was, but is, but instead of sitting there trying to figure out all this, whatever, you could be serving survivors on a local level and stopping somebody from returning to their abuser by offering them support, care, um, you know, maybe stopping the crime from happening in the first place. I think that's much right. more overall benefit. Right. This is not the time to tell people that birds aren't real. Like there's another, there's another. Time so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent. My best friend brought that up the other day. Shout out to Amanda. I love her. Um, she brought that up because uh, but I haven't heard this one, which is really weird. Because I've heard them no, all. There's not. They started, they started replacing them with drones. Uh, right after I say this isn't the time to tell them, now I'm going to tell them. Uh, they, they started replacing them with drones in the 50s and 60s. Uh, it's expected that the last ones were killed around 2001. Um, and now they're just, they're all drones. So when you see a bird, you tell it to get a warrant. But this isn't the time to talk about that. The, uh, the... I mean, to be honest, Spike, I'm pretty far down the like, I'm far down. I'm far, far down. I just don't, you know, it, when it comes to work life, like I say, I think, I don't know if I said it before we went on air or whatever, but we, you have to meet people where they're at. Right. Not everybody's there. You know what I mean? If I yes. go full, you know, whatever, if I go full blown, it, that's not meeting people where they're at. And also no. too, the other thing I like to keep in the back of my mind is, so when I, when I step forward to receive support as a survivor, I thought that the government owed me something. I was irritated that the government wasn't stepping in to help me. Um, and my journey, my, my personal political journey, or, um, you know, I want to make sure all survivors that follow me feel that they get content from, so I'll post a CNN article, even though I hate CNN, I think right. they're pedophile, complete pedophiles. Um, but I'll post it because that might be where a different survivor is at. And right. and I want them to see like, look, we're all talking about this. We are all talking about this. Yeah. Does that make sense? 
No, it makes perfect sense. And the thing I, I share, you know, I blast the corporate media as much as the next person, but I will share articles, you know, mainstream media articles, if they have demonstrated a point that uh, that we're trying to make and that there's no reason not to. Um, something that uh, happened, especially maybe a few years ago when they started debating uh, those, the, the FOSTA-SESTA Act. This is a deal. Everybody likes to throw FOSTA-SESTA under, under the bus. And you know what? They speak from a place of privilege because they don't understand how difficult it is to get these FOSTA SESTA cases through. Um, And honestly, I feel like not you, Spike, I'm not coming. You don't, you're not trying to be malicious or anything, but I mean, so I don't think people understand how difficult it is for these minor survivors or survivors of sex trafficking to receive justice period, especially not against these uh, tech platforms. This is my specialty. So I focus predominantly on survivor aftercare. My other focus is uh, child sexual abuse material in the digital space. So um, this is a hyper focus for mine and it is almost impossible to get through a case against one of these tech platforms. But I think it's speaking from a place of privilege and I understand why folks would be upset about FOSTA-SESTA. I wasn't particularly happy about it when it passed either, but I think it's very um, disingenuous and disgusting to, dance on the trauma of these minor survivors that are begging to, there are many survivors that are trying to get through cases right now that cannot receive any justice. These platforms fight them every single step along the way. So when people say that FOSTA-SESTA isn't used, we're trying to use it. We cannot receive justice. These platforms are bigger than the dang government and the government's huge. So have some respect, not you, Spike. I'm not trying to spaz on you. I'm just saying, like, have some respect for these minor survivors that are currently in lawsuits that are trying to get this FOSTA SESTA through. I don't think people understand. I don't. So do, do you think that FOSTA SESTA wasn't strong enough? Because I know another concern on the anti side was that it was also targeting legitimate sex work. Do you think that it should have been done differently or that it wasn't strong enough? Where, where do you think that it, that it went wrong? Well, there's a lot. I mean, it's it's a horrible hot mess from top to bottom. I mean, all right. So you have platforms that can monetize, knowingly monetize and profit off of child sexual abuse material and human trafficking. Let's stick to the most egregious, the child sexual abuse material. Yeah. Uh, it's not a small amount. In 2020 alone, Over 65 million child sexual abuse material images and videos were reported to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. This year alone, it's gone up 400%. So when we get the final numbers in January to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which is just a United States organization, um, I'm estimating, I mean, so far I know there's been 100 million reports of child sexual abuse material from the digital space. This is Facebook, this is Twitter, This is uh, Snapchat, 100 million reports of child sexual abuse material to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. That's not a small number. This is what we have already. Like, so this is what we have in 2021. It'll probably be higher than that. I'm guesstimating like it'll probably be like 125 million reports by the time the year is through. Um, But what what I know for sure, it's it's 100 million at this point. This is not a small number. So these are children that are being violently sexually assaulted. We're not talking about, um, you know, questionable whatever. We're talking about violent 
sexual assault. Now, that being said, actually, let me back up a little bit. There is uh, some room in there for also like self-generated content, which is happens a lot. Self-generated content for the youth. Um, they're taking selfies, they're taking pictures and posting it themselves. Right, um, right, right. But, but, in the, but at the heart of it, what we're talking about is the violent child sexual abuse material. And we're not talking about the dark web. This is reported from like Twitter. <laughs> yeah. This is reported from Twitter. In, in 2020 alone, Twitter had 65,000 reports of child sexual abuse material to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. That's 65,000. That's not a small number. I mean, so yeah, FOSTA SESTA sucks. What the heck are we supposed to do? Let these platforms continuously monetize and and uh, profit off of uh, child sexual abuse material and human trafficking? Like, oh, no, not. not on my watch. No. We're not going to let them continuously profit off a of human rights violation against children. And by the way, it, 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 if it just affected United States citizens, we might see some justice. This affects the most vulnerable populations in the world. Right. Philippines. So this is not a joke. So when we talk about FOSTA SESTA, I know everybody is in their feelings. I know I get it. Trust me. I'm also deep on the privacy side rights of, you know, um, you know, any folks that follow me closely know I'm very intense about digital privacy rights. Um, it's almost more of a passion for me than human trafficking at this point. It's very important to me. Um, but to dance on the trauma uh, by belittling it, by saying we don't have any other option. So I want folks to think about that. But anyway, um, what do I think would be better? Um, completely decentralized platforms. Um, completely decentralized platforms will help um, because we won't have to go through the red tape of the government or the platforms to remove this harmful and abusive content. That's my uh, hope for where it's going to go. Um, I'd like the government involved in, in things as little as possible, um, of course. Um, but I, my only hope is decentralized platforms. I don't think that there is an answer besides that, but I could be wrong. No, I tend to agree. I think that, you know, you're now dealing with both government bureaucracy and big tech bureaucracy. And both. Again, you're having to go through both of them at the same time. Whereas in a decentralized platform, if it's, you know, you're basically contacting the person who runs that node or server and, you know, assuming that they're like the vast majority of people that don't want that kind of content on their server, that's going to be an easy thing to isolate either by them removing it uh, and and reporting who did it or by them refusing to. And you can go, ah, yeah, you're the pedophile. And you can you can spot them much more easily and much more quickly that way. So no, yeah, I, I tend hope, to agree with you. Honestly, Spike, my hope is deeply rooted in the future. I'm very excited. I'm very excited for um, the progress of where things can go with decentralized. I'm very, very excited for this. This is, I was kind of black-pilled before that, before I figured that out. But then yeah. I was like, oh, there's some hope. Um, so... I, I'm I'm very hopeful. I'm very, very hopeful. And I wouldn't be so passionate about the, you know, the fossil sesta thing. I mean, honestly, if someone has a better idea or option, I'd love to hear it. Um, but people only want to complain and speak from a place of privilege instead of speaking to the survivors um, that have been affected by this, that are trying to seek justice. Um, and that speaks volumes to me. And I just, I'm sorry I'm so passionate about it. I just really... I really care deeply about these survivors. I'm very close to some of these survivors that are currently in lawsuits that are using that law and they can't get justice, Spike. Yeah. They can't. You know, these big tech platforms try to have case dismissed, 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 dismissed. 
because they don't so want the liability. Yeah, they don't want the liability, even if it's that it's not even even if we don't. But it is, the is if, they, if, they, if one case gets through, it'll set that precedent. What's going to happen, right. Spike, is if one if that one case gets through, I'm praying that it's the uh, Twitter uh, John Doe one and John Doe two case. Um, but if that one case gets through, it'll set the precedent. And then, you know, for tech companies, it'll go from there. But we'll see. I have hope. I, one of the the big debates, um, and, and and this was also happening during Fosta Sesta and even before that, is obvious. Uh, uh, often, especially in corporate media and, and government officials, the there's a conflation between voluntary sex work and sex trafficking. They don't they don't sure. you know make any kind of de- de- delineation between that. I will say, um, especially after hearing stories like yours and others who survived sex trafficking that on the outset may have at that time looked like voluntary sex work to uh, not just to you know an observer of it, but even to some of the people who had been uh, coerced and defrauded into thinking that this was par- at least partially their decision. Is it hard sometimes to see that line between, I mean, obviously we know the difference between voluntary sex traffic, sex work and sex trafficking is that uh, anything voluntary is free of, as you said, fraud, force or coercion, uh, free of any kind of aggression. But sometimes that can be hard to spot, right? Especially if we're talking like fraud and coercion, that can actually be hard to spot. Is that difficult sometimes to delineate between what's being done uh, uh, what's being done voluntarily and, and what's being done in a, in a coerced or defrauded manner? Yeah, any buyer of mine would have thought I was there willingly, so there would have been no question. Um, you learn how to act in order to stay alive. So that was, you know, you learn how to play the role and get the job done so that you could stay alive. It's, right. you know, a lot of times survivors have quotas or victims have quotas. So you can't go home unless you make a certain amount. Um, if you do go home without making that amount, you're going to get your took his beat. So, you know, you know, you know better than to do that. So, cause it's harder to make money with a black eye, but, um, you know, I think one thing that drives me crazy is that folks don't know the difference between willing adult sex work, willing adult entertainment, uh, uh, survival sex and then human trafficking. Um, people like to shove them all into one category. They do the exact same thing with human smuggling and human trafficking. It seems like whatever fits folks specific agenda or political agenda or agenda period is what they use to shoehorn it in. It's really disingenuous and actually disgusting. I think if folks truly cared, they would speak about the most vulnerable and work up from there. That's what I think. You speak about the most vulnerable possibly impacted, and then you work up from there. You don't go with like the most privileged and then work down. You start with the most vulnerable and then you work up from there. I don't know. I'm not like a policymaker or whatever. You know, Republicans are particularly just gross. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're not. I mean, Republicans and the left are just particularly gross about this issue because they just cannot not make it a political agenda, which as far as I'm concerned is re-exploiting those who have already been exploited again. Right. To and, political. and that was actually my next question. Where, where is that line, right? Between someone who's, who's, you know, even in my uh, 
uh, talking about this and promoting the episode and talk, I, I'm thinking the whole time I'm thinking, at what point am I crossing a line of, of not just, you know, bringing attention to this, but, you know, where is that line of, of, you know, where I'm sort of re-exploiting someone, which is why I said, you know, early on, I was like, I want you to define what like you feel comfortable Like your sweetheart, I would never think that of you. Um, no, I don't no, think no, you- no. And, it, and, and it's certainly nothing that I'm, I'm intentionally doing, obviously, but, but there I is understand. that kind of, it's a very like quick line that you hard. can cross between you know making sure that i'm highlighting this and and platforming uh your your advocacy and saying hey guys who wants to hear about you know a really salacious story and 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 which is why i I made a point of not doing that do you often like when you're being interviewed does it sometimes feel like you're you're like they're going into that you know let's let's find out the salacious thing to have all the eyeballs on this uh route or not really no i've never felt like that i very Gosh, now I think about it. Thank you actually for bringing that up. I have never felt, I felt re-traumatized, but it wasn't the interviewer's fault. It was my own personal self trying to, it was also like, it was weird. It's weird being a public survivor um, and a public survivor leader and then a public survivor advocate, which are totally different. And by the way, for anyone who's interested, you could be a survivor advocate. You don't need to be a survivor. Um, Call your local organization to find out how you can serve. Uh, get trained, get certified, um, get your background check and start serving survivors. But um, no, I'm so, it's been, honestly, Spike, it's been like the best, it's been like such an awesome journey because I just never saw, I just never thought anything that I would, I just never thought I had anything worth saying that anyone would ever care about or whatever make a difference um so but i've been also very very selective about whom i do my interviews with right um right. whether it be a comedian or the hoteps or the blaze or like oan <laughs> believe it or not um or whomever i do my interviews with that being said i've also opened it up to um everyone from all sides i offered to go on young turks uh, I've offered to go a lot of places because I firmly believe that my presence and vibe would probably shine through. My only deal with stepping forward as a public survivor leader is I didn't want to have my voice silenced and I didn't want it to be uh, edited or, um, well, I probably don't feel exploited because I probably haven't done much with the corporate press. That's probably why I don't feel exploited, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, you if haven't I'm had being, someone. I'm brutally, if I'm thinking about it deeply, I mean, I did stuff with like NBC and, um, but, you know, I haven't like, I haven't gone on CNN where I have to break down my life in like a 30 second soundbite. Right, right. Or or have someone probing into the part that's going to elicit the tears and all of that stuff and get the audience, you know, in this, in this very special interview, we're going <laughs> to yeah, make this person cry. There was actually, there was an old uh, Saturday Night Live uh, uh, skit. <laughs> from like the nineties and it was, uh, Oh gosh, what was that guy's name? Kevin Nealon. And he was at Kevin Nealon makes celebrities cry. And so it was like different segments where he would have a celebrity and he'd say, and your dog just died. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, she died two years ago. And how did that feel? And like whatever they could get to try to get this person to cry. Um, right. and, and that's what it feels like often. Um, so, uh, 
one thing I, I wanted to talk about, because I, I do want to get into how we can help people, but one thing that, one of the most compelling things I've, I've heard you talk about, and this was at Freedom Fest, was uh, about parallels that you see between uh, abusers and, and a, another organization. And, uh, you know, the, the things that you see, can you tell us a little bit about, about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, and before we leave tonight, I just want to say, Spike, I love your haircut. When you turned to the side, I was like, ooh, Spike has a fresh, fresh fade. I just got you're... my haircut. No, wait, stop. Literally. Wait till you're fr- wait till you're on the full screen. Put yourself on full screen and then turn. Okay. Because my, fr- okay. my fade is not fresh. Yes. Show them, Spike. I just got this. It's go and it goes all the way around too. I'm not. No, gonna, it looks so good. Like right. when you turned in the opening, I was like, "Oh, he is a fresh crispy fade," and I'm out here woofing. Just like got it fan. done. Yes. Thank you for noticing my fade. Thank you. I always yeah. notice Sorry, a fresh fade, a fresh crispy well, fade. Thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, well, for full disclosure, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cap. So, um, and I'm also part of Mises Caucus. But I didn't know that there was a Waffle House caucus. I thought that was cute. I was laughing hysterically. Um, yeah, and I, I am I created registered that two years ago. What did you say? I created that two years ago when all the caucus fight. I'm actually, I'm in the Mises caucus as well. But when all the caucus fighting. Yeah, I, I joined it the day after it was founded. Um, but they, um, when all that fighting between the caucuses happened, I, I made a fake fight between people over Waffle House versus Huddle House. Then I created the Waffle House Caucus as like a Facebook tag group as a joke. We now have close to 8,000 members and um, we are, are, are the fastest growing caucus in the, in the party. Largely because we don't do anything. Okay. Well, <laughs> maybe, sit, maybe sitting back and being chill for libertarians would probably be better, better look than fighting with everybody on the internet. I think so. It's helped. It's more people have joined in. Um, so yeah. Uh, um, so back to your question. So back to your question. I mean, I never was fully able to make the parallels um, until 2020 happened. Um, and then it started to become more and more clear to me that the government is an abuser it's an abusive relationship that I don't feel like I can leave. Uh, it's the first and only relationship I've never felt like I could leave if I needed to. The government will stop at nothing to continue to seek power. The government will gaslight you at all costs. The government will isolate you from your family and friends, which by the way, is a perfect breeding ground for Stockholm syndrome. If you look up what it takes to create Stockholm syndrome, so if you think of the government as the abuser and the citizens as the victims, that's why we see such mass Stockholm syndrome is because the government used the same tactics that an abuser or cult leader would use to mass control and get individuals in an abusive relationship that had Stockholm syndrome. I mean, isolation, fear, fear of death. Um, And then only one thing can get you out, which would be the, their thing that they do in the arms. But, you know, the reason why the, the government feels like a trafficker to me is because they take my money 
and I don't have a say in where it's spent. It's money that I worked really hard to get. And they take my money. I don't get to say where it's, you know, they tell me when I can see my family and friends. It's just an abuser. And um, if folks think it's not going to happen to them, if folks think it, they're not going to take it all the way. They're going to take it all the way. They're going to take it all the way to North Korea. And you're going to, you know, if I could have one message to libertarians tonight, or really anyone, there'll be a point where you're going to have to decide whether or not you want to eat your own children to stay alive. It's how bad it gets. It's how bad it gets in North Korea, where every hair on your head is needed to be burnt for heat. Literally no hair on your head goes to waste. Everything is owned by the state. You are married to the state. You own nothing. You have nothing. And you'll be looking at your loved ones deciding whether or not you want to eat them to stay alive. They will not stop ever. You don't want to let it get there. Don't fight on Twitter. It's not worth it. You fight the state. You fight those elites that are those seeking power libertarians and anyone that seeks liberty, I don't care if you're a Republican, anyone that seeks liberty, even if you're on the left, if you just believe in liberty, fight this because they're not going to stop. And I'm telling you, you do not want to see the other side. You'll be sitting in the gulag wishing you had done something and wishing you had spoken up when it mattered. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the, um, and then of course, when they put you in a situation of, destitution then they help you with a little bit of what they've stolen from you which 100%, is also a classic spike. abuser yeah a hundred percent spike that's a pimp yeah it's called what it is that's a pimp spike but yep. they're not even a good they're not even a good they're, they're, a, not even a they're good like pimp. a gorilla pimp they're not even a good one and they will stop at nothing spike they will stop at nothing the police will yep. stop at nothing and you know what's even worse spike is they're going to celebrate those that think that they're virtuous are going to celebrate the slavery. They're going to celebrate it. They're going to celebrate yeah. the slavery. They're going to help build their own prisons. That's the worst part, you know? So that's what I hope people understand. This is not a game. Yeah. Well, that's part of the gaslighting, right? Is they get, they, they convince you that it's, it's for your own good and, and you, you, you skip it, happily skip your way into it. So I, um, I, I think Germany, that's the way, that's the way Nazi Germany was too. Just read the Gulag Archipelago. This is just go read the Gulag Archipelago. Anybody thinks it ain't going to go there. Trust me. Oh, it can go. It can go quickly. If you talk to uh, Holocaust survivors or any survivors of any mass atrocity, one of the things that they'll talk about is how quickly it went from what they perceived as normal to, holy crap, we're being rounded up. Like, it, it is not this, you know, decade. Well, sometimes it can be a decade-long process. Sometimes it's inside of two or three years. I mean, look That's at- That's what human trafficking is like, Spike. That's yeah. what human trafficking is like. And people think it could never, human trafficking can never happen to them. People think all this stuff can never happen to them. I'm telling you right now, when the government won't stop, we are all going to be victims of human trafficking, labor trafficking, sex trafficking. It's exactly what it is like in North Korea and throughout history. This is not a new thing, and it's happening currently in the world right now. So you don't need to look far. 
It is on the same globe as us. So I'm telling you, you have to figure out where your line is and stick by it. This is, we are not, I'm telling you, Spike, it is, it's really bad. And like you said, it is that you don't see it coming. It's very, um, it's sneaky. They act like it's for your good. It, it literally couldn't remind me more of human trafficking. But I think when I put it in that context, um, people understand how, it actually kind of helps me out a little bit, Spike, because then people understand how I ended up in the position that I was. Right. And how other times throughout history, other people have ended up. So you and the other thing, too, is be be very mindful of like, I just want to tell libertarians, like, please be very mindful. This is not time to play games. I mean, it is go time. Yep. I mean, if you're a shit poster, sorry if I cuss on your. If That's, you're fine. A, That's fine. We cuss on the show. If you're a doo-doo poster. This doesn't have the same. Doesn't sound as powerful as shit poster. It doesn't have the same ring, but yeah, I mean, if you're a (laughs) shit poster, that's cool. Just stay out of our. Just stay out of the way. Trust me, I'm building up my platform so that when it's go time, I can get the message to as many people as possible. Period. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now on that, so this is actually. I think I got so intense on this podcast. No, listen, that's good. This is good stuff. We've talked about uh, all of these different issues. I I did want to end on this. what can we do now as individuals and working together to fight this? How can we identify it? What are, what are the, when you go around and you're telling people, you know, what we can do to fight it, what are some of the things that I and others that are watching this can be doing right now and, and start doing to, to help fight trafficking? Sure. That's a really good question. Um, so trafficking is pretty broad. So you can start off by, you know, uh, pushing for accountability on how our products are made, how our fruit is picked, things of that nature. Um, that's always good. You know, uh, vote with your dollar, so to speak. So if you think that something is made with slavery or if you know that slavery is in the supply chain, you could do it that way. Um, when people always ask me, how do you spot survivors? How do you spot survivors? My answer to that is how would a survivor spot you? Um, how would a survivor spot you? Because you don't run up to someone and say, are you a victim of human trafficking? Um, or if you see something that seems suspicious, if you call 911 right away, you could be putting that survivor's, that victim's life in danger if they are a victim. Mm-hmm. Um, this is life or death. It's not It's not a joke. But how could a survivor victim see spot you? Are you a safe person? Did you smile when you walk past in the airport? You know, um, do you have open energy, a friendly vibe? Um, and if someone did talk to you, Hey, you know, um, if you're a parent, a caregiver, you know, um, somebody that works in a faith-based organization, a school counselor, um, if a child disclosed to you, would you have the resources available and know who to call? Um, we do have a 24 hour, um, 365 day a week hotline here in the United States. Very grateful for that. Um, you can call if you have questions, if you have what's tips. That, what's that number? I'll put it in the uh, in the in the chat. Great. Literally every podcaster asks me, and literally I post it almost every single day, and I've never memorized it, but I'll, I'll look it up. Um, okay. It's actually the first thing that pops up when you just Google the words human trafficking, so it's pretty easy. Um, 1-888-373-7888. So that's 1-888-373-7888. 888. If a survivor is in immediate danger, um, they do also have a, a text feature on their hotline as well. It's the human trafficking hotline.org. They offer 200 plus languages, which I think is really cool. Um, you never know where a victim survivor is going to be from. Oh, yeah. So um, in the United States, so I think it's really cool. The, the Canada has a human trafficking hotline as well. Um, but 
how could a survivor spot you? Are you a safe person? I think that that's very important. You know, when you sit down at a diner or a bar or on an airplane, do you say hi to the person next to you? Hi, you know, just something nice. You know, are you a nice person? Um, there are always things that folks say you can look for. But I tend to... I don't go by that. I don't go by what they say because, you know, they always say like, oh, people that aren't making eye contact or people that are dirty, you know, folks that are on the spectrum might not make eye contact. Um, Someone being dirty might just be a set of circumstances. It doesn't necessarily, you know, I mean, some things like, um, you know, if you're a healthcare professional, you know, um, frequent STIs, maybe bruises, bite marks, uh, cigarette burns, um, but healthcare professionals should know how to deal with that, right? Um, right, and be able to to tell um, if if an individual is not allowed to be left alone, even in th- in situations that would be private and can't answer for themselves. That's kind of sometimes. But you know, um, the world is made up of different types of people, so we hate to judge a book by its cover. So that's why I say, let a survivor of human trafficking spot you by having open energy, and if and when they do reach out. Um, the other thing too, I'm not a big proponent of like forcing folks to leave unless they're a minor. Um, right. You offer support, you plant seeds, you offer resources. And, uh, if the survivor's ready to leave, um, it's the same thing with the government, by the way, I feel the same way with the government. Um, if you force someone to leave a Stockholm syndrome situation or a trauma bonded relationship, it could actually, um, strengthen the relationship with the abuser. So you have to be very mindful And that's why I was like trying to tell people the other day on Twitter and nobody really vibed with it. But I was like, yeah, I mean, if you try to force people away from this corporate press and this government tyranny, um, I don't think they're going to be as receptive if you just if you actually just met them where they were at and planted seeds. Um, That's how I feel. I feel like it actually probably strengthens their relationship with the um, with the government and um, with the propaganda, to be honest. So something you said. All right, that's kind of intense. No, something you said made me incredibly sad. And I want to make sure that I'm that I'm interpreting what you said. Because you said okay. one of the best things we could do is just be open and making eye contact and smiling with people. Not in a creepy way, but just in a just general friendly vibe. Are there people... What I took from that is that there are people right now who are are so are in the midst of being trafficked and literally if someone would even just look at them if they were just out and about at the airport at a restaurant walking down the street and if someone actually made a human connection with them for five seconds that would be enough for them to be able to at least begin the process of escaping but we're so all compartmentalized that this person who's basically trapped in a cage surrounded by people it everyone is so isolated and compartmentalized that there's no one they can even really effectively reach out to and certainly not in the limited time and space that they have to do something like that is that is that what you're saying yes yes essentially i mean we are so self-obsessed we're so caught up in our own world we're looking down at our phone, we're posting on social media, uh, and human trafficking survivors and victims are walking amongst us. Um, now, granted, every situation is completely different, but I think um, 
simply just, I mean, I'm one of those people where if I sit down next to you at an airport, you're probably going to spill your guts. I don't know why I got that vibe. I, and I try to stay to myself sometimes, but, uh, you know, I like talking to people, but there is something, this is going to be hilarious because I've talked most of this conversation that I'm even going to say this, have the gall to even say this, but there is something about letting folks give an opportunity to talk about themselves. When I sit down to talk to people, perfect strangers, which by the way, I mean, people are, people are, are more, almost more comfortable telling something to a complete stranger that they'll never talk, talk to again. Um, but when I sit down and talk to people, most people have suffered deep, very deeply, many survivors of sexual assault, especially from within the home, sex abuse. I mean, I'm just talking about like at a bar, which sounds so depressing, but like a bar, a, uh, you know, um, even if I, 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 I just have the most random things and I don't bring it up to people. It's not like I'm, Hey, my name is Eliza. I'm a survivor advocate for those affected by human trafficking. What do you do? That's like such a buzzkill. Right, right. People think I'm a, like a hairstylist or a makeup artist. I'm fine with that. Um, but when I tell people, it definitely opens up a conversation. And I find that many people are survivors, especially uh, in my case, I meet many males that are survivors of sexual assault and molestation that have never really told anyone or, you know, that have never really told anyone. So I think just being an open person, like literally just like looking up from your phone and saying hi. I can't hear you, Spike. No, I listen. There's there's two things that I got from that. One is that there's a really powerful and simple thing all of us could be doing. But the big takeaway that I'm just picturing being in the shoes of someone who you know is in a a survival situation where they're doing something they don't want to do. Whether we're talking labor trafficking, sex trafficking, whatever, and like they're. You know, we always picture it's like if they can just escape the basement they're trapped in, and it's not. They're at the airport. And it's there's surrounded by hundreds or thousands of people, but no one's. I mean, they could be they a bad. Be... They could be in bottle service at the club. They could be. They could be anywhere. They could right. be literally anywhere. But the other thing too, Spike, you have to put yourself in the mind frame of someone has coerced you into thinking your mind isn't necessarily. Um, you're seeing things not a hundred percent clearly. Right. So you're not the world, world clearly, um, and it's not their fault. Uh, that's a that's a trafficker does their job correctly. That is part of a trafficker's job is to not get you to see it correctly. So right. um, they might not even know that they're being exploited. Uh, you know, I'll give an example. So I was in a domestic violence relationship with my ex husband, which I said earlier. Hmm. Um, he was in the military and he was deployed and I was on a flight with one of my girl woman friends um, from the base. We were on an airplane flight because over in Europe, you could fly cheap, the easy, quick little Orion air flights. And I'll never forget. I looked at her and I was joking about something about like, oh, yeah, he pushes me down the stairs. And before he left, he tried to smother me with the pillow. And I was joking about it. And all she did was she looked at me and she was like, so he had tried to killed me before he left um, by smothering me with a pillow and he had pushed me down the stairs multiple times. Um, but I was joking about it. Like it was like some funny thing. And she looked at me and she was like, that's not normal. That's abuse. Right. So when I 
found out that I was a trafficking survivor. It took an advocate explaining, because I always thought it was like the back of a semi-truck. I always thought it was like ropes around my wrist, chains, chains, right. duct tape yeah. around my mouth. I thought it was like back yeah. of a semi-truck. I was conflating smuggling with human trafficking. Once someone had to explain it to me, and I still had a difficult time processing it, but I knew I was getting physically abused and I knew I didn't always want to be in every situation. And that was a point. So if you can get folks to just speak a little, um, you could identify and you don't tell someone, you just say, huh, that, that matches exactly. And I'm going to let you choose whether or not you identify that way, but I just want to let you know what the law says and that that's that would that qualify like. yep. trafficking. Yep. And then it took me a while because I never want to be seen to, seen as a victim. I was like, tough girl, never wanted to be seen as a victim and uh, didn't want it to seem like, oh, I was trying to be something. You know what I mean? I just didn't want to seem a type of way. And then I, I was like, wow. And then when I look back and I looked at all the situations that had happened, I was like, dang, I really was. I just didn't know it. So same thing with labor trafficking too, you know, just because someone wanted to come into the country, um, by the way, not all labor trafficking happens uh, with folks that are undocumented, but yep. I'll just speak, speak up to that specific, um, like that specific, um, I don't know, example, mm. you know, someone's past, you know, someone's identification, um, someone can be in debt bondage, they might feel like they paid to be in this country. Like they begged to be in this country. They paid to smuggle into this country. They did the most to come into this country. They might feel like they get are getting what they deserve, or maybe like this is the best they can have, but I they're actually this. Victim of human yep. trafficking. Yep. Um, and that's yep. not right. No matter wh whether or not you're documented or undocumented in the country, it's not right to exploit someone one for labor. That's slavery. Yeah. So besides, so really the best things we can do besides obviously advocacy uh, well, for accountability and so forth. All right, is, I didn't answer your question at all. Yeah, so yeah, the okay. best thing you could do, the best thing you could do is get educated about the crime. Um, the crime is really um, very nuanced and very complex. Best thing you can do is get educated about the crime. The best thing you can do is volunteer or donate locally. Um, okay. Research your local organization. Very frequently, I post a list of over 2,000 organizations globally that serve survivors of human trafficking. Find an organization that uh, matches with your beliefs. And um, and I think that volunteering and getting involved locally, even if it's just dropping off, uh, you know, baked goods once a month or something like that, whatever you can do to get involved locally. If it's, you know, just calling up a survivor safe house. Hey, it's winter time. What do you folks need? Do you need socks? Do you need coats? You need Amazon gift? Go like, what do you need? Um, yeah. How can I best serve you? And then also too, I tell, fo I tell folks, use your time, talent, and treasure to serve the survivor space. Um, if you have money, that's awesome. If you have a talent, like if you're a carpenter, call up your local survivor safe house, ask if they need something fixed in the, in the safe house. They, you don't even need to see the survivors. They can move all the survivors that, you know, everybody can go on a, um, you know, activities day and you could fix something in the safe house. Um, but figure out where you best fit, but whomever you are, I guarantee you, you have a skill that can be used for survivors of human trafficking. Um, and then to prevent, um, you would be education and awareness um, in your local community, um, that is always going to be the best. That is always going to be the best. 
Okay. Prevent the crime from the first from happening in the first place. And number one above and beyond everything else is internet safety. <laughs> please, if you're a parent, caregiver, grandparent, please internet safety for you for the youth. Please. Okay, that's yeah. Please. I, I've been, I, no, I I know it's 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 weird. I don't have kids, so it's I I certainly far be it for me to say you're not parenting your kids right. But I often will see this disconnect. And I'm not going to call any individual out because honestly, it's prolific. Uh, but like people with teenage kids who have absolutely no idea who their friends are, have absolutely no idea who they're, what, what media platforms they're on, what social media they're on, what they're doing, what they're saying. And I mean, okay, your kid's 19, 20 years old. At some point, you're going to not know. You were talking like 14, 15 year olds. Oh, they're on that thing all the time. I don't even know who they're talking to. You know what though, Spike? I have grown adult women and survivors in my life where every time they hop into an Uber or Lyft, I know every single time, you know, I mean, there's, There's like, you know, especially with the survivors in my life, because it just helps. But yeah. I mean, I know where their trip is going. I know who they're going to hang out with. It's not. It's not weird to be overly cautious at any age. I mean, I don't do certain things, even as a 40 year old woman, um, because it's it's not it, it's not common sense at this point. Right. Does that make sense? So, yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, I get what you're saying, but. No, I don't. I don't think parents fully understand. I mean, most human trafficking, most abusers are meeting their victims on Facebook, which is so weird that Facebook. I guess Facebook at scale, it does make sense. But I mean, right, Facebook, right. Snapchat. Um, that's where these traffickers are meeting your children. They're gonna promise. They're gonna promise them a better life. The life that they're gonna promise them seems really glossy, and. Um, and your, your children are going to buy it and they're going to start sending them nudes and images and those images and videos are going to haunt them for the rest of their life. Um, you don't want that to be what happens. Um, you don't want your child to go meet some random pedo that was a total catfish three states away. Um, you don't want that to be your life. Um, all because you just didn't know what your child was doing on the internet. Something that's very simple. Um, And I think that this is on all of us, you know, same deal. You know, I don't have my own children, but I try to be an accessible, non-judgmental ear for the youth. Uh, If they want to come talk to me about something and, you know, you meet them where they're at. You meet the youth where they're at. But if they feel judged, if they feel pressured, they're not going to be transparent. If you think your if you think your children don't know how to make secret profiles or do all that, they're very tech savvy. They know how to do it all. Yeah, this isn't spy and trick them. This is let them know that you care for them and want to be a part of that. So and much, sure that they're yeah. Protected. yeah. And open yeah. and honest conversation. And people always ask me too, when's too young? Uh, we have cartoons available. Um, there's cartoons available um, for children of all ages that talk about internet safety in a fun way that's not, yeah. just starts to get them into the flow. Yes, hopefully it's more effective than my don't talk to stranger videos they showed us when we were kids that made talking to strangers seem really cool and it was like i had the opposite this guy wants to take you somewhere and show you things your parents don't and it's like 
that sounds great. And then I didn't know what yeah. to think. Bur- I want to know what this yeah, stranger no, was. Oh, it wasn't very I was like, this stranger sounds amazing. So it then turns out, no, you really shouldn't talk to him. But so, okay. So I, I we've learned a lot. We've, we've delved into a lot of things. And I, I, I thank you so much for coming on. I greatly appreciate it. I hope to have you on in the future. Before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to give your final thoughts. Anything you felt like we didn't get a chance to talk about? Anything that you want to promote? Any websites, phone numbers, your social media, how people can reach out to you? Literally anything that you want to talk about for as long as you want to talk about it. Eliza Blue, the floor is yours. Well, thank you, Spike, so much for having me on. You are freaking amazing. Sometimes I listen to to the Freedom Fest speech after that was only the second speech that I had ever done live in front of an audience because of when I stepped forward. And when yeah. you had walked in the room, I was so elated. It meant so much to me. Like, I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, a, you know, politician came to hear this pleb speak about her walls. <laughs> um, but it meant a lot to me and it still does. And I really appreciate the p- support. And I think that you're somebody um, that really truly cares a lot about people and it shows and it means a lot. And you're willing to listen to different people. And I think that that really means a lot to me, Spike. It, it goes a long way. So I'm excited okay. to see what you have planned in the future. Um, as far as folks go, you know, um, don't let don't let Internet privacy rights slip through the cracks. Don't ever let anyone use human trafficking or child sexual abuse materials, a Trojan horse to get through um, government interests or big tech interests. I'll be very mindful of that. Although it is a very real crime and although it devastates a lot of lives, um, under no circumstances should this crime uh, be used as a as an excuse to gain access con- and control and mass surveillance over all citizens. This is very important just because of the crowd I'm talking to. Um, you know, be there for the survivors in your life. I have a high I have a high uh, gut feeling that the Ghislaine Maxwell uh, Verdict will be read tomorrow, and regardless of however it goes, please be there for the survivors in your life. Because anytime there's a big case going on like this, um, it takes it takes its toll on survivors, even that weren't directly impacted by the crime. Um, so um, always let survivors know that they can, and any survivor that's watching, they can reach out to the hotlines: uh, our national sexual assault hotline, our domestic violence hotline, and our human trafficking hotline. Run 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 365 days a year also does our suicide lifeline. Um, if you're struggling at any point with past or recent trauma, you can reach out to any of the hotlines at any time. Um, they will assess your needs and serve you to the best of their ability. A trained advocate will answer the phone um, and you could call anonymously and it's judgment free. It's also LGBTQ friendly, uh, LGBTQ plus friendly and uh, 200 plus languages. So that's really important. Um, and you know, if this conversation's at all affected you tonight, like, please reach out to one of the hotlines just to process through with an advocate. Um, and I guess my final message is um, that there's a lot of hope and we will win in the end. But you either have to be willing to stand up for freedom and on the side of liberty because you know where it could go. You know where it will go if we don't fight. You know, everybody thinks it won't happen to them, but I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm telling you, it can and will happen to you. And you don't want to be sitting on the other side of what's coming. So um, please take your freedom very seriously. Um, please take your freedom very seriously. I don't know how much more to stress that. 
Spike, you know I value my freedom so much. I can't even articulate it fully. Yeah, hopefully maybe one day I will be able to, but I just hope folks value their freedom because you don't want to lose it. Trust me. The days are long and you wake up every morning. When you lose your freedom all the way, Spike, you wake up every morning, you wish you were dead. And every moment that you're awake, you wish you were dead. And you think only about dying, but you don't know how or why. And that's a horrible life. Right now we have a good life. I'm sitting in a heated room with internet service, getting a chance to talk to somebody that I think is really cool. Yep. This is a good life. So you don't want to lose that. And um, I think that's all, Spike. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate your thoughts. I wish I had more of a white pill. No, the white pill is we will win in the end. We're, we're going to win. Liberty is going to win. And, and no, I, actually, I you know what? The, the white pill is we're going to win in the end. The cathedral is completely crumbling. Corporate press is scrambling like a chicken with their head cut off. The corporate press has lost their mind. They're, they're in desperation mode. So just remember that. And every time they do one of these big blunders, um, just know it red pills and white pills a lot of people. Yep. So yep, it, does. it leads yeah, people more- up. Liberty is definitely going to win. Uh, how uh, can people follow? What's the best way for people to follow you? Yeah, sure. So um, my Twitter handle is at Eliza Blue, E-L-I-Z-A-B-L-E-U. I saw the water you were drinking before. Is it spelled blue like blue? Yes. How do I not have any? <gasps> That's my water. Le Bleu. That's my water spike. That's your water. <laughs> That's so, um, so you can you can buy Eliza's yeah. water at uh, at Le Bleu. No, uh, that is not my water. I do not profit from that. If you want to tip me, you go to my Twitter tips. No, but um, so I'm on Twitter at Eliza Blue, E-L-I-Z-A-B-L-E-U. Um, and then I am on Locals, Eliza.Locals.com. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of really fun things coming up. So um, please stay tuned. Yes, and everyone go follow Eliza if you aren't already. This is it is good water. It's not actually her water. She makes zero dollars. I make nothing. Talk. I it's make just zero really dollars. If you want to, if you want to throw dollars, I have my Twitter tips open. Um, I'm completely independent. That's on purpose. Spike and I were talking about that before the podcast. Yep. He was like, "Hey, do you are you going to shout out any organization?" I was like, "No, I actually do everything. I do completely independent. Um, that's really intentional and on purpose because then I can talk about politics and." Um, then I can't get canceled. Well, I don't know. They might try to cancel me, but I doubt it. Um, it's harder to cancel yeah. someone who's self-sufficient. Yes. Yes. But yeah. So, well, no, I, I work full-time in the space, but I don't advocate, I don't speak on behalf of any organization. So, cause I, I, despite that's a whole other conversation. The the government has its little hands in all these organizations. I don't even want to yes. be affiliated publicly with all these. Y- yes. So at, at Eliza blue <laughs> is your Twitter handle um everyone please tune in and stay tuned with her she's got big stuff coming up uh eliza thank you so much for coming on stick around i'm going to talk with you during the outro uh but folks thank you for tuning into this episode of my fellow americans uh tomorrow uh night at 8 p.m on the writer's block my co-host matt wright will be interviewing amy lapore who is the duly elected vice chair of the libertarian party of delaware she will be updating on all the really fun stuff that's happening with the libertarian party of delaware it's just, it's actually gotten better in the last month, but yay. Uh, and then enjoy your weekend. Have a great weekend, whether you celebrate Christmas, whether you don't celebrate Christmas, whether you're one of these edgy pagan types, you celebrate Yule or Solstice, whatever. I don't care. Yeah, happy Go holidays, have a fun everybody. Weekend. 
Have a happy holiday season or lack thereof. Whatever you do this weekend, enjoy it. Uh, And then be sure uh, to tune in next week for the Muddied Waters of Freedom year-ender at the end of the year. That's going to be either, we haven't decided if it's Wednesday or Thursday, but it'll be either Wednesday or Thursday. You're not going to believe what day it is. Uh, And it's going to be me and Matt Wright. We're going to parse through the year's events because this year, is almost we are all I'm still coping with 2020 and it's about to be 2022 so come cope with us uh next week and uh again thanks again for tuning in uh oh and and, uh join oh yeah well I don't have an episode next week we're doing the year ender so again thanks for tuning in so much uh I will see you next week I'm Spike Cohen and you are the power god bless guys Open up the only fine I'm in line